and welcome to The Scaling Edge. This is the internet talk program that focuses on the hard-won lessons of battle-hardened entrepreneurs here to share value with you. I am your host, Michael Brooks. Max is here. Yes, always here sometimes. Always I think here. if I live here. Yeah, <laughs> I sometimes <laughs> feel the same, Max. Sometimes I feel the same. If you'd stop walking around in your boxer shorts, maybe it would, uh, wouldn't would give the, that, that impression. So oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so Sonia Shelton is with us. She is a leadership. She does leadership consulting. Um, and she is also a best-selling author on Amazon, which is super cool. Sonia, thank you for being a part of our program. Thank you for being on the scaling edge. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got here? Yes, absolutely. And thank you for having me. Um, so I started executive leadership consulting in 2007 as a result of being an executive for the Walt Disney company during wow. the best times and the worst times. So I was the head of internal communications and you know Disney's known for having an incredible culture and a lot of alignment and I learned a lot about that. And then I was there when a member of the Disney family led a shareholder revolt against our CEO. And I really learned the impact. Who was, who was CEO at the time? Michael Eisner. Oh, so like the big boss. The big boss, the, yes. The, the famous guy. The famous so guy. So who who led the revolt? Roy Disney. Roy, a member of the Disney family. Yes. Led a shareholder revolt against Michael Eisner. Did they were they successful? Did they give him the boot? They did. They did. So if you imagine being the head of internal communications in a company basically going through a divorce, that was my experience. And I really understood the impact of leadership from myself as a leader and what I went through with all the politics and everything that was going on, but also seeing what happened to the company. And like I said, seeing the best of the best and the worst of the worst in the same company really made me passionate about helping companies with leadership and culture. What does a shareholder revolt look like? I mean, can't they just say, hey, we want to vote against you. Okay, we vote you out. And he goes, okay, thank you for letting me serve. Have a nice day. Like what's what transpired in that? What brought it on? Was it low revenues? Was it a cultural shift? What what brought that on? Because that's an exciting story that you live through. Yes. That's a piece of American business history. Michael right. Eisner is, you know, uh, uh, almost uh, not quite a Steve Jobs level name, but not that far off. I mean, he is a famous business Hall of Famer. So can you tell us a little bit about the inner workings of what was going on and the type of struggle and fight? And and how how that all transpired? Yeah, you know, I, I think Michael Loss had always had kind of a, a thought partner, and I, and that's what I see work really well with organizations when you have a visionary, and then you have somebody who can integrate and execute that vision. That started Walt Disney started that way, and Michael Eisner started that way, but then he lost that person. And I think what Roy saw was that he that he needed that person and wasn't really leaning on the person he had in that chair, who was Bob Iger, who's now back to the CEO of Disney and, um, and, and really felt like he, he needed somebody at the helm that was going to protect the the legacy and, and move the company forward in a better way. Um, just not making, not agreeing with the decisions that he was making and the direction that he was taking the company. And what it looked like was they had, the board didn't agree, right? So so normally when you're getting rid of a CEO, the board of directors agrees with that and they vote him out. The board didn't agree. So it became a vote out to the shareholders about whether to keep him or not. 
So the board said, no, we, we like this guy. We think he's doing a good job. So he had, so Disney, Roy, uh, drove a shareholder vote to vote, uh, to vote him out. Right. And, and well, that, that sounds rough. Why didn't <laughs> you go along with the board? Well, it was, so the board was divided, right? So some people were on Roy's side and then some people were on Michael's side. And so it really was like a divorce, right? Where you have kind of two parties disagreeing and, and how do we reconcile that? Right. So, so it had to go to the shareholders to, to solve it. Disney had a divorce. Wow. (laughs) That's a rough, that's a rough time, but what a great experience. I mean, looking back, having been part of that, that, that time frame and the transactions that occurred at that time. So, um, so you took your experience with Disney, with one of the most famous companies in the world, and you did uh, communications with with that. Don't they own ABC and like all the news? Yes. So, so that way, nothing bad that happens with Disney shows up on the news. Pretty well, much. <laughs> it actually did. It actually, and it's happening now, right? Like the the company's stock going down. Right? Why? Why stock going down? Right? I think that's uh, that's been in. Why the do you news, think but... that is? Why do you think Disney's stock is going down? I mean, you go to Disneyland; it's packed. Disney World is packed. People will consume their movies. Why would they lose shareholder value? Yeah, I don't. Well, I'm not in the company anymore, so I can't give you the inside scoop. But just as somebody who watches from the outside, I see it um, a, a lot of loss of purpose in what. The Walt Disney Company stands for and how they differentiate themselves from other entertainment companies has been lost. Um, I, I think that that they're they become more generic and you know the same as Sony, the same as Warner Brothers. What's that real Disney magic that used to be there when I worked there? I don't see it as much, and um, and that makes a difference, right? So now now you're competing, uh, you're competing at a different level as opposed to setting yourself apart by having your own purpose and brand that nobody else can compete with. All right. So if you're back at Disney and uh, Bob Iger calls you up and says, look, I need you or leadership consulting, how would you consult him through this? How would you get Disney? How would you get Bob Iger to recognize Disney's excellence again and, and bring them to that point of purpose? Yes. I, I, I would probably start with, an assessment, right? So, so what is what is the culture like today, right? Are people passionate about the company? Are people passionate about their role in the company? Do they trust each other? Do they trust management? Um, that's usually you, the first. How do you go through about doing that assessment? Because we do yeah. that at our company, yeah. we, and it's and it's massively impactful. What's your process of of identifying culture and surveying team members? Yeah, so we have um, what's called an employee passion survey, and it, it measures the dimensions of, like I said, being passionate for the company. Are they passionate about their role in the company? And it's so it's beyond engagement. It's not are they just engaged in doing their work, but are they really excited about where the company is going? And, and then we measure trust and looking at, you know, do they trust each other? Do they feel that they trust their managers? They trust management? They trust where the company is going? And so we we find those two elements are really going to distinguish uh, the performance of of the culture and how they're doing with leadership, and then we and then we agree with Simon Sinek. We start with why, 
what is that purpose of the company? Do people understand the purpose of the company? Is that well communicated? Is it are is everything that you're doing aligned to that purpose? And we call that red thread leadership. So starting with your purpose and running the red thread through everything that you do so that everything you do is aligned to the purpose. Well, co- culture beats strategy every time, every time. And, and, and so many times companies will look outside at customers or prospective customers to fit, figure out what they should be doing. But really the people that are boots on the ground that are in it are, are right there. And if you, if you take that, I'm a firm believer in that when you, when you align everybody and I first measure because what gets measured gets, gets better measure where everyone's at, then you can start to begin to shape culture. So you start with a survey, you figure out where all, all of how many employees does uh, Disney have? A million? I think they have about 200,000 now. So that's a lot. So they take yeah. the passion survey and you gather all that data, right? You come to your mm-hmm. conclusion that you can help. What do you do next? So so looking at what what is that customized plan going to look like? Where are their pain points? Do they need more trust? Are there just certain pockets of the company that are doing um, poorly or doing well? You know, what is that trust in in management, right? If they don't have trust, what do we need to do to increase trust in the company? Um, if they don't understand where the company is going, how do we increase communication so that people understand where the company is going? And then empowering people to be able to make decisions about, you know, a company like Disney, it's been around for a long time. So they might get stuck in the, well, we've always done it this way, as opposed to saying, no, this is our strategy. This is our vision and empowering people to question their their processes and their ways of doing things to say, do we actually need to do it this way anymore? Those are some, those are some great questions and probably real stumbling blocks that even small and mid-sized businesses face, not just behemoths like, like Disney. So how are you doing that with people today? How do you, what type of people do you engage in and what's your process? What do you do with the small to mid-sized companies you work with today? Yeah. So, so we specialize in working with fast growing companies and really looking at helping them make sure that they're growing the company without developing silos. Um, And when a company is growing fast, alignment is critical, right? So as you're bringing new people in, you know, making sure that they get up to speed quickly on what it's like to work here. What are the processes? What's our strategy? What's our purpose? And helping them really get connected quickly and aligned quickly so that they can keep growing and they don't have to slow to bring people around. Well, I think that's very important. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about somebody that you've worked on that you've consulted with recently and how you impacted their business? Yeah, absolutely. We worked with um, a media media agency that was, you know, starting to flat. I would they weren't declining yet, but they were starting to flatten in their growth, um, and they really wanted to turn into a fast growing company. And so, we worked with them on really reconnecting the company to their purpose and and what makes them different as an agency compared to other agencies. And then we worked with them as we as as we did that process, they actually came up with a totally different business model and how they worked with clients. And so almost created this blue ocean of stepping themselves out of the competitive environment that they were in to create their own lane. And then they started to create a new process, a new business model. They, they, since then, they've acquired a company. 
And so even just that one step of helping them reconnect to their purpose opened up this whole new world of where they could go. And then we also did the culture assessment um, at the beginning and at the end, and and we doubled their their, um, engagement and their passion within the company because people were excited about where they were going in the future. Did everybody stay or did people end up leaving after that process? Like what was the, how many, how many people were in the company that, that were getting re-energized? Um, so it was about a, a team of about 50. That's a big team. And, um, yeah. And they actually, I expected them to lose people. They didn't. Um, cause I, you know, my, my philosophy is clarity polarizes, right? Once you start getting clear, people know if they're in or they're out and that's okay. And I prepared them for that, but they actually didn't lose anybody. That's great. You didn't, uh, you didn't find any hiders. So it sounds like mm-hmm. it was a good company. It just kind of fell into a, a bit of a rut. Exactly. The amount of it. Exactly. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's amazing. Um, so any other, any other pieces of value that you can share with our community that they can do to create this type of culture or to, how would you can executive leadership consult our audience here and now? What, what, yeah. what's the major piece of advice that, that you can give that they can use to help scale their business and their life? Yeah, I think one of the things I'm passionate, really passionate about right now is that there's a tremendous increase in burnout. And we work across multiple industries, multiple sizes of companies, and I see it everywhere where employees are struggling with burnout, they're feeling overwhelmed. And so first of all, it's important to acknowledge that that might be happening in your company. And how you solve that is two things. One, getting really clear about your purpose. Why do you do what you do? And making sure that that's communicated throughout the organization so that people know that why. We can get through challenge, we can get through any challenge if we have a strong enough why. And the second thing is clarity. So are they clear about what they're do, where you're going? And are they clear about where what their role is in where they're going? And really making sure that you're always providing that why and that clarity as you're going to reduce how burnout. Do, how do you how do you provide the clarity? It's all the way across the board. So looking at, you know, what is our purpose? What's our plan? What's our strategy, vision, goals? What are we trying to achieve? Um, what What's your role in this? And, and what are the right processes for us to get there? How do we make decisions? Making clear on how do we make decisions? Who makes decisions? Why do they make decisions? Um, and then what is what are our values? And, and who are we trying to be as a company? Well, that's that's exciting. And it's, uh, I mean, it's it's very self-reflective. Right. Yes. They say sunlight is the, the best disinfectant. Um, and you see you see pretty massive results with that. You see you see that, that, that you know, you mentioned something about burnout, and I see that a lot. And I wonder how much external current events happening that people are exposed to affect it. Because it seems like yeah, I don't know if humans were designed to have this much news. Like, should I really? I live in Dorado, Puerto Rico. Should I really know what's going on in in um, Cairo, Egypt, right now? Should I really know about all this stuff? But it, it really affects people d- deeply when they see imagery and they see things that one side or the other. It's always two sides now. People are getting really burnt out from what's happening in the world and all the the terrible of information they're being able to consume from the world. How do you address that 
from a business perspective to get people energized and passionate when they're in pain and heartbroken for just run-of-the-mill current events, which seem to happen all the time now, which is just, just like we're in a constant state of one disaster after a ne- next. It's almost like as a as a world as a whole, people's heads are coming up and just grabbing a piece of air, and right before they can breathe the air, and they're getting pushed down with the next new uh, new cycle of terror, uh, all and terrible things that are occurring. Like, how do you how do you work through that as a company and say, okay, leave that at the door. Here's a place where you get to live and breathe and be excited about what's going on in the world. Yeah, I, th- I think it's you know, what you're describing is hopelessness, right? There's not a a feeling of agency in those situations. There's nothing we can do. There's, we feel bad about it. There's nothing we can do. And I I think we're also in a time of tremendous uncertainty, like even in the news about the economy, is it a recession? Is it not a recession, right? So I think that's getting people turned up as well. Like, is, is it safe? Am I safe? And it's and it really does come back to purpose because people when people feel like they have meaning in what they're doing and they know that what they're doing every day is contributing to something, that helps bring that hope and that helps them feel like they can they can do something where they are. They might not be able to do something in in what's happening in the conflicts in the world, but they can do something where they are. That's an interesting way to to shift to collectively shift a team out of a mindset of hopelessness for the pain that's occurring in the world and what they're digesting about what's going on in the world to purpose with what they can get done. So what, how do you get that purpose? Like, Hey, uh, this, we are on a hotel chain. We're giving people a vacation from, from all the pain of the world. This is how you give hope to the hopeless and you do it through work. Absolutely. you do it through purpose of 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 what you create every day. That's really impactful. Yeah, and I think maybe sometimes companies think they don't have it. Right? Well, we don't have a purpose. We're not doing something big in the world or or you know, sustainability or whatever. And and you can find it, right? I I used to work with um with Nestle was one of our clients and and we actually looked had them their marketing team went and saw how consumers are consuming their products and what is the difference that they're making and met with, um, you know, a family, a woman who invited her friends over for coffee and used coffee mate and was proud of the fact that she could offer her guests coffee mate. And, and, you know, when you see that and you really see that the impact that whatever your product or service is, is having on your customer or client, it drives that purpose and you can tell those stories and, and really be able to generate more enthusiasm and passion in the company. Well, that's terrific. Sonia, you've given some great advice. I appreciate you being on the program. Appreciate you being a part of Scaling Edge. Um, if somebody wants to find you or find your book, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? So One Stop Shop is our website at executiveleader.com. So if all of my links to social are on there. Um, we offer a lot of free resources, webinars, and articles for people to help improve their leadership as well. We will put that in the show notes. Check it out, executiveleadership.com. Executiveleader.com. Excuse me, executiveleader.com. Sonia, thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of our program. Thank you for being on The Scaling Edge. We appreciate it. And we will see you soon. Cheers. Thank you.